All right, here we are back finally for another podcast. This is the Tina and Jesse Bay podcast. We are in the house. Jesse, tell us about yourself. Let's talk about what's going on here, who we are. Oh, wow. In the grand scheme of life or? <laughs> well, let's talk about the fact that we're besties. Yes. And our friendship came about very unconventionally. Absolutely. But it's actually kind of a habit of mine. Uh, when I'm involved with people, I tend to steal their best friends. Yeah. Uh, romantically involved. I had a boyfriend in college, stole his best friend. <laughs> and I and it wasn't a dude best friend. It was a girl <laughs> best friend. It wasn't like that. Uh, I was straight at the time. Um, <laughs> way back in the day. <laughs> way back when, in the day when I was straight. And uh, then, you know, I, I was with Mary. And she had this best friend from high school, this little redhead. What? What? Showed up late to our wedding, high as fuck on drugs. Yeah. yeah she had just had dental surgery. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. That really happened. <laughs> yeah. And then you were like, I got to drive home. And we were like, I don't think that's a great idea. And you're like, no, I'll be fine. Yeah. It was a, it was a thought that counts. I, I couldn't miss it, even though I missed it. But I, I was still there. She came at the very end. It I was did. like, we, like the justice of the peace was like just announcing that we were like married and I'm like, fuck yeah, guys. I'm here. I'm witnessing it. Showed up. <laughs> One of three attendees at our wedding. And it's like, and I'm about to throw up because these mouth drugs are stupid. Mouth drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, this podcast has been in talks for a very long time. Um, yes. Yes, it has been. Mostly because the whole aspect of a podcast uh, just seems... Daunting. Yeah. Intimidating. Like, where do you start? What do you talk about? Are people going to listen to it? Um, and then, you know, the horror of having to play it back and listen to yourself talk. So That's why I don't edit. Because <laughs> I hate the sound of my own voice. Oh. So if this sounds like crap, just know it's not because I was too lazy to edit. It's because I don't want to hear my own voice. Because we just weren't going to go there. Why would we? So I don't know when um, we'll actually get to the point where... It's uploaded and people are listening. Probably same day. Okay, cool. Because well, uh, I don't do any editing and it looks like the sound is coming through just fine. Perfect. So probably just edit the, won't even edit the file, just upload it today. Get it going. Well, it is October 17th. So we are in the heart of spooky season, um, which makes this podcast a little bit more special. Because All of these podcasts are special because they're so few and far between them. Yes, yes. But we get to be uh, together and do fun fall things. And We went to a pumpkin patch today. Like literally just got back from a pumpkin patch. Um, it was awesome. There were lots of dogs there. There were kids in costumes. A lot of hot dads. A lot of hot dads out there. A lot of hot moms too. Hot moms, definitely. But the pumpkins, bro. The like, pumpkins were fire. Yes. Oh, they were beautiful. And if you can imagine seeing all this through the eyes of an almost two-year-old. Yes. Um, just pumpkins everywhere that I can see. Baby Charlie had a great time. She was just killing it. And I'm actually really proud of us because we left with only four pumpkins. That's it. Only four. Only it four. May, it may seem excessive to some. But I'm actually really proud that we only left with four pumpkins. For real? Because 
truth be told, we are the basic of basic bitches. And this is the Basic Bitch podcast, is yes. it not? The original name was Basic White Bitch, but they wouldn't let me use the word bitch. Mm. But you know what? I say fuck it. On the podcast itself, we're going to say bitch because we say whatever we want. We cuss. We fart. We burp. We don't give a fuck. I mean, and if you're the OG listener, you already know this is the Basic Bitch podcast. So let's not, you know, sugarcoat over it. Let's keep it real. Let's just keep it 100% real. So, spooky season. Yeah, let's keep it on spooky season. Um, It's a great season, but it brings up a lot of beliefs that, you know, I'm pagan, and you're definitely on the spiritual side. I'm spiritual. I don't believe in any one thing, but mm-hmm. I like keeping my mind open to the possibility of lots of things. Yeah, um, definitely. Which seems kind of like a, a lazy way. I guess not really. <laughs> you don't have to do all the research, but like, so what I like it because I feel like I'm constantly surprised by what I do learn mm-hmm. and what I do experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little, little more freeing that way. I like it. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about paganism is that it, it's the same thing. Like you are constantly learning. It's not about, restricting yourself into one belief it's not like oh i just worship odin you can sit there and be like sir get out of my bag no cats were harmed in the making of this podcast so hank is uh just a little sidebar hank is a little bit of a fuck ass a little bit he's a sweetheart he petted my face while i slept the other night it was very cute he's very adorable he's very sweet but he's very fucking annoying. He's nosy. I think he was trying to climb into your bag to go home with you. I mean, that's okay. I'll take him home with me. I mean, the Pumpkin offer, won't like it. The offer is still on the table. If he goes missing when you leave, I would be sad, but both thrilled <laughs> for your new adventure together. Oh my God. So he was just trying to climb into my bag and I picked him up by his scruff. That was a little scruffy. He did not like it. That's you know, why he heard I that think noise. He knows, I think he knows shit's about to get real. We're talking about spooky stuff and spiritual stuff, and maybe he was a little scared. It's okay. You can be scared. It's okay. So in terms of um, paganism and in, yeah. in your experience, um, how does that alter your views or influence your views on the supernatural it kind of goes hand in hand for me. Okay. I don't know if it does for everybody else. I know okay. that there's some people that refuse to believe in the existence of the supernatural, but they are pagan. I know that there's people that refuse to believe in paganism, but believe in the supernatural. Right. And there's a topic that I'm like, my mind wants me to like literally like blurt out, but I'm not going to because it has nothing to do with this. But the subject of Christian witches really irks me because I'm, I'm friends with one on Facebook and she's not mm. preachy about either religion. She's, she follows both. And I think you can do that. I just don't think they can coexist peacefully. That's interesting. Right? Like it's a very interesting subject, but I just don't think that the two, because paganism and pagans were so heavily persecuted by Christians. Oh, well, if you look at the root of it, see, I'm, I'm obviously like, 
thinking about that from like a naive standpoint that like, you know, maybe a Christian would argue that God or whatever, you know, wants them to use these gifts of the earth. They do say things. Yes, they do say that. And I think that's an interesting interpretation. But yes, I I think it's a very positive one. Yeah. (laughs) Because a lot of the time when back in the day when people were found to be like psychic or have like psychic abilities, that was looked at as the work of the devil because they felt it was unnatural. So if you're sitting there and you accept those gifts and you're saying that God wants you to use those gifts for good, I think that's a very positive thing. And I think that's a good way for Christians and pagans to coexist together. But historically it does not work out. Yeah. It It just does not work out, brah. (laughs) For sure. But in terms of like what, how my view of the supernatural has been influenced by paganism, I've always been interested in the occult. I've always been interested in witchcraft and learning about, you know, the mysterious ways of the earth, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because part of my pagan beliefs is that the earth is really the core of it. Absolutely. And I believe in science, so I believe that we evolved from microbes. Yeah. Which is true. We did. Scientifically, it's been proven we evolved from microbes, which is weird to think about because now we're just nothing but microbes. (laughs) We went from these sexy little amoebas to look at us now. I know. I don't know that that's actually a good thing. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm just going to say it's kind of scary. I think it's, uh, you know, when you get into, like, the cliches of Halloween and, like, witchcraft and supernatural, it's all supposed to be scary. Mm -hmm. But I think what's interesting, like, for me is that even as a kid, the aspect of, like, the little witch in the woods or the ghost, like it never frightened me mm-hmm. when, you know, everything kind of says that you should be scared of that when you're a kid, but it never frightened me. It intrigued me. Um, and then there were years that I just kind of like forgot about it. And I yeah. think that as an adult uh, with a kid of my own, I'm kind of still excited by all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, And I wonder, I can't help but wonder if my kid's going to feel the same way. Like she does things in nature. Like she's obsessed with leaves and flowers and dirt and animals. And I'm like, I hope she never loses that. Like she's already a little witch in her own way and has no idea. Like it's just so natural for her. Yeah. But, um, I've definitely had some supernatural, what I feel to be supernatural experiences in my life, um, which makes kind of uh, Halloween seem even more fun. Mm-hmm. Makes all of those experiences feel a little bit more real. Because mm-hmm. um, they say that as we get closer to Samhain, as it's pronounced, which is uh, Halloween, the veil is thinning between this world and the other. And it's easier for those who have passed to come through and communicate. And it's funny because it was around this time that I, when I was about eight years old, that I had my first supernatural experience. Interesting. And it sticks with me to this day. And I'm, I consider myself a skeptical believer. Yeah. Because I always want more proof because I I can never believe 
my eyes or that's my five nature. senses. Yeah, that's human nature. I mean, I know what happened to me. Like, I remember it. When I was little, my mom used to pick me up from school and she used to take me back to her, her office, which was a doctor's office. She worked for OBGYN, which was an experience in and of itself. But she went ahead and she would... uh I would do my homework in the break room and she was usually right outside. That's where her desk was. And I remember I was heating up a microwave pizza and I was standing at the microwave. So I had my back to the rest of the room, but there was nobody in the room. Nobody. It was just me. And I felt the pressure of a hand on my back. Oh, but it wasn't scary. I wasn't scared. Like, you would think, like, when you have your first supernatural experience, you'd be terrified. Well, because that's the experience that we're shown in movies. It's yeah. Like instant terror, you know, cue the jump scares and the screaming mm-hmm. and the leaving your body for a moment to get away from it. Like, literally jumping out of your body and leaving <laughs> your body behind. But you were eight years old and you felt a hand on your back. What was your reaction to that? I froze and I, I didn't feel scared. I was in shock. I was surprised, but I was not scared because that hand on my back felt very reassuring. And did you want to like explore where it came from? Did you question where it came from? See, back then I didn't have the sixth sense developed and I still don't because I pressed it. I repressed it for years because I wanted to be normal. When I started embracing myself more, I've noticed that I've opened up more, but What happened was, as an eight-year-old, I didn't really have control over that sense. Right. And all of a sudden, I felt myself, like, reaching out all over the room. And I felt this void right behind me. Wow. And it was, like, the void of, like, a blob of energy that could be, like, a person. Like, it felt human to me. And if you were to theorize now. Yeah. What do you think that was? Or who do you think it was? See, that's where it kind of gets me because the energy did not feel familiar. Mm-hmm. In my subsequent encounters, I've noticed that when it's somebody that I might know, the energy feels familiar. That kind of goes along with the You hear people smell like a the tobacco that their grandfather mm-hmm. used to smoke or uh, the perfume that their mom wore. I've had that before. I think that is and it's, so interesting. It's actually a very comforting feeling because I'm my sense of smell is very strong mm-hmm. and it's very powerful. Sorry, I'm just turning the mic so that it can pick up both of us better. Um, but my sense of smell is very strong. So when I smell something, I remember people by their smells. So yeah. like, 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 or a smell that like- I associate with them. Yeah, it's like a, an instant trigger for like a memory or an experience. So like, I remember what like, for instance, like my adopted mom smells like. Yeah. I remember the smell of her perfume. That's awesome. If I ever caught a whiff of it, I'd freak out because I'd think something happened. Oh, okay. It's also not a very common perfume. I don't remember the name, but she used to wear it all the time when I was a little kid because they would yeah. go out and she would wear her perfume and she'd wear her shoulder pads because it was the 90s. And uh, she never wore a lot of makeup, just some lipstick. She didn't need it. She always looked very young anyway. Love it. She still looks young. Let's hear it from mom. Let's hear it from my mama. (laughs) My adopted mom, the bomb. 
we had our differences, but it is what it is. Um, but if I ever smelled her, I'd immediately, to me, I would know something happened. Yes. And that did happen to me. And it scared me. <laughs> um, a few years ago, I woke up and I smelled my mom's perfume and I was living in Austin and I was like, I shouldn't be smelling my mom's perfume. I was like, she's not here. And literally on the other side of the country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literally at home in Jersey from Texas. I smelled it. And I didn't think anything of it after that, except I kept getting this phone call from a 201 number. 201 is a New Jersey area code. Oh. So finally I answered the phone and it was my brother saying that my mom was in the hospital. Holy shit. I woke up smelling her perfume that morning. That's, that's so surreal. It was. And like, it clicked in immediately. As soon as he was like, mom's in the hospital, I was like, boom, that's why I smelled it. Which makes me wonder, going further into that, Uh did my mom lose consciousness? Was there a point where she may have almost crossed over to the other side? And that's why I woke up smelling her perfume. And that's just like one of many experiences like that that you've had. Yeah. But like, it's just, that was crazy. That was just wild to me because that was when I was first starting to wake up again spiritually. And so for that to happen was just like mind blowing. I can't imagine. It was scary though. (laughs) That was a scary one because I was like, this is not good. I was like, if I'm smelling my mom's perfume, something's wrong. I can't be certain, but uh, my first supernatural experience, you know, <clears throat> my mom is just has always been very open-minded when it comes to that, comes to the spiritual realm and the supernatural. Right. Um, she actually grew up in a couple of haunted houses, would, you know, recall hearing her front porch swing just swinging at the same time every night feeling a presence at the at the end of her bed her little brother would often see an older woman sitting at the end of his bed I think he was the only one who actually saw her Mm -hmm. but everyone had kind of experienced um another presence in their house and I just remember being so like intrigued by these stories Mm -hmm. um So there's a place and I wish I knew where it was. I feel like I've asked my mom a million times since and she doesn't quite know, but it's somewhere um, near the North Carolina, South Carolina line. There is this road that things go backwards. Like there was this old um, wives tale that back during the civil war Um, or maybe even before that, there was an elderly couple and they were on their horse-drawn carriage and the soldiers came through. Like they got caught up in like an ambush and, um, this elderly couple were killed. And so the story goes that when you're at this spot, um, You'll see handprints on your car. Your car will roll backwards even when you're not driving. Um, 
and it's them getting you out of danger. And of course we didn't believe it. So we go one night and, um, my brother was scared to death, but I was just like, <laughs> I was instantly trying to debunk it, you know, right. like she skeptical. Yeah. Sheila's got her foot on the gas. She's putting us in reverse really slowly. Like they're freaking us the fuck out on purpose. Like, right. They're scaring us because it's fun to scare little kids like this sometimes. It's great. So they finally were like, hang on. We drove uh, probably like a half a mile down the road, got a Pepsi out of an old um, drink machine. And I remember Sheila, this was my mom's friend, pouring this Pepsi out in the road. And I watched that liquid roll uphill. Like defying physics and gravity. And I think like from there, I was just like, I can't see things, but I know something's there. Yeah. And, um, that was, I mean, that was my first supernatural experience. I don't think I had another one until I was in about fourth or fifth grade. We went on a field trip, uh, here in Wilmington to the Burke Wainwright house. Um, the place is definitely haunted. Um, tourists see figures in the windows all the time. We are touring the house and we are in what was supposed to be a girl's room. And I don't know what happened in that room, but I kind of zoned out. The class had moved on and I'm still in this little girl's room. Just like, whoa, like what if this was my bedroom? You know, like how different it was back then. And this place, I mean, we're talking, it's the middle of summer. It's like 90 fucking degrees outside. There's no, like, central air in these old houses. There's no, like, radiators or or vents. Uh, the room didn't even have a ceiling fan in it. So the whole house was hot and stuffy. They were kind of moving us through it at a quick pace. <clears throat> and I'm in there, and I feel this cold breeze. Ooh. I immediately look towards the window. It's closed. There's no curtains moving, but then I hear this ruffle sound and it was almost like how you would imagine a dress full of petticoats sounded. It right. was almost like somebody was walking past me in that room. I feel the breeze. I hear the ruffle of the petticoats and it just kind of hit me like, kind of snapped me back into reality. Like, where's everybody at? Like, I'm in this room alone. Like, what could have possibly done that? So I remember, like, running out of the room, catching up with the class, and just, like, not telling anybody about it until mm -hmm. I get home and I tell my mom. She was like, you encountered a ghost today. So that's oh, pretty fuck. cool. That's amazing. <laughs> but I wish, <clears throat> I feel like I haven't had an experience like that since. And I feel like, when you believe in the supernatural, you're always kind of chasing that next. Mm -hmm. I got to know. I got to prove it's real. I got to experience something. I want to see something. I want to hear something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes a lot of this um, so intriguing. Yeah. For some people. And I think that's why some people like dedicate their whole lives to it. Oh, yeah. Exploring. I thought about dedicating my life to ghost hunting too. I mean, if I could just like get paid to like go on the road and explore these places. And I would do it. Spend my life on the road, investigating every haunted thing that comes along. I would love that. I mean, I'm sure at some point we'd hit a moment where it's like, maybe I regret this. 
dark. But there's some scary shit happening like, right now. Like I'm a grown ass woman hunting this damn ghost. I want to go home. I want my mommy. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, so always, always looking for that next. Yeah. That next experience. What's what's a place that you would like to go? I want to do an in-depth investigation on so many different places. Like, if you, do you have a top three? Actually, yeah. I had an experience here in Wilmington. Oh, I want to hear it. Well, I wrote it into a story. You did. I did. But, but I never sent you the story, so you I remember, wouldn't know. I remember you writing about it and telling me about it. But it was, I mean, I'm obviously going to tell the audience, but it was back when I was in school at Cape Fear Community College. I lived here. So everyone knows I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I lived in Wilmington for three years. We are making progress. Look at that. I know, right? My therapist is working wonders. Thank (laughs) God for her. She'd be so proud right now. (laughs) Oh, she will be. I promise you. She can't wait to hear about this trip. She's so excited for me. I love it. So you're at Cape Fear Community College. And, you know, it's downtown. So I was like, Mm -hmm. afterwards, I was like, oh, let me just go down to, you know, the docks and, you know, walk the river for a while before I got to go home. It wasn't too dark out. It wasn't too sketchy. But also, I'm one of those assholes that never thinks about the danger I could be putting myself in. (laughs) Like, I'm literally one of those people. And I live in one of the sex trafficking capitals of the country. But see, like, you also came from, like, New York. Where, like, at any given Nothing moment, scares me. Yeah, like, at any given like, moment. Like, I literally haven't, like, just accepted that at any given moment, violence could happen to me. And I think in certain situations, you're scarier than whatever could be against you at that time. <laughs> Truth be told, a lot of the time, I use my fear to flip it around and be scarier than whatever I'm encountering. that's why it's really scary to fight with me because I don't like confrontation and I get really upset and nervous and scared. (laughs) So I flip it and I turn into a fucking psycho. That's a, I think that's a power. That's a superpower. That's a talent. Like it's, I can be very scary. I'm scared of myself sometimes. Oh my God. Like, and I'm, cause I'm not a violent person. I don't like confrontation. I don't like conflict. I don't like, encountering people I don't know but still you managed to put yourself in what could potentially be dangerous situations I do it all the time now (laughs) it's crazy so what happened downtown so I walked downtown I left my car in the parking garage because why not and you know I just went about my business and I was like I never get to spend time downtown I moved here and like so the backstory on me in Wilmington because there is a backstory I um I came here for a wedding when I was 13 and we stayed in a bed and breakfast downtown and I had a very strange experience there. I wouldn't call it supernatural, but I definitely felt some kind of energy in that house. And I always wanted to come back here and investigate and see if it was haunted. I don't remember the name of the bed and breakfast and neither does my mother. My mother's the one who booked the place and she still doesn't remember. But also, we're, we're talking, like, over 20 years now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so, been more than that. You know, it so. could it could be a fucking hipster-ass coffee shop now. It might not even be a big breakfast anymore. 
And I tried to walk downtown and find it one time. And I just got super tired. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. I could not find it. But it was a very old house that had one of those historical markers on it. And I remember that. But that doesn't narrow it down because every single house downtown has one. Yeah. And they all have their own style, but they all look alike in their own way. Yeah. So it's like, fuck me, right? But I walked downtown. I was down at the riverfront. And I walked all the way to the end of the dock. Like, basically, I was looking up at, like, like second and third street, basically. Were you on the Memorial Bridge side? Like, I was down at, by, like, um... Or were you still by the college? I was closer to the college. Gotcha. Um, I, like, I passed Patty's Hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was down there. And I walked all the way to the end, past the Cotton Exchange, uh-huh. all the way down. Okay. So I was like, I was looking at the bridge. I could see it, but I was like on the other side. Like I was like, if that makes any sense. Yeah. For those of you that have never been to Wilmington, you're not going to know, but who cares? <laughs> Set a scene here. And it was dusk. It was just dark enough. Like there was still like a little bit, like a sliver of light in the sky and I turned and I was looking at the USS North Carolina and it was the weirdest thing because the streetlights started to go out and they started to go out and they went out one by one and all of a sudden all of them were out except for the one right over my head. Oh my God. And I blinked and I turned my head and I was looking back at the bridge and then I turned back and the lights were still out and I remember there was a figure it was a shadow but the lights that were on past the street lights illuminated it and I blinked again and it was gone And I just remember walking towards it and I remember whispering, I saw you, I know that you're there. And I didn't hear anything respond to me, but I could still feel like it was there watching me. What a badass. And what I think happened is um, in science, if you really follow the science of parapsychology, they use spirits use energy to manifest. So this thing must have used the energy from the streetlights to manifest itself. But why it showed itself to me, I don't understand. And I just remember like walking towards it and the lights started to come back on. And by the time I hit the last streetlight, they were all back on and everything was gone, but I could still feel that energy. That's insane. It was, and it was like a different type of energy where like something just felt off. You know, like everything around you, like you feel the wind blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it feels like instead of the wind blowing straight at you, it's blowing around something. Wow. Like whatever it is, it's blowing around whatever this was. And I was just like, I remember I turned back because I had hit a building. Well, I didn't hit a building, but I was near a building. And I turned around and I looked back and I shit you the fuck not. I saw it again. It was right there. It was literally 10 feet away from me. Like right at the point where you're probably like questioning yourself. Like 
I did, didn't really see it. Like, did that really happen? Yes. That didn't just happen. Yes. And it's like, guess what, bitch? I'm still here. Yeah. You that's saw what it was it. like. You saw it. It was like, you saw me. Like, I'm here. Like, look. And I took it as, because I, I have a ten because I'm an empath, and that's part of what I use in paganism. Like, I use my, my ability to, like, absorb the feelings of others and absorb the vibes of something. The way that I tried to process it was I tried to process the vibes of like the energy and the energy felt very sad. Oh my God. I should tell you about my Fort Fisher experience. Dude, please. There are people that that can corroborate this one because this was fucking weird, but like just, just a little backstory. I mean, I've lived in this area uh, my whole life. So Fort Fisher was, you know, the scene of a very, uh, very bloody civil war battle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a little museum there. It's um, cute. But if you've, if you've ever, you know, most beaches, you know, it kind of looks the same. When you get into Fort Fisher, the trees take on a weird shape. There's just weird, weird, like rock formations. Like, yes. It's almost like you've stepped into another world, and yes. I think it makes these it makes these experiences um, more intense. Um, there have been sightings of soldiers um, mm-hmm. for years. I'm talking decades. People have you know seen soldiers, um, seen people around the rocks and in the tunnels that weren't really there. Um, yep. And when you walk into this, and it's funny because you see so many, like, weddings happening there, little maternity photo shoots. But, like, when you're in there, you're like, this is this is beautiful, like, breathtakingly beautiful. But it is also creepy as fuck. Yep. So anybody who is interested in looking it up, I highly suggest looking up some of the history of it. If like, you're a history buff, this is right up your alley. And this isn't even about, like, you know, Confederacy or the you know what the war was about or what side anyone was on but just being that there's a place that still stands that has this energy and has this history and it's a place that you can go and visit but people do have supernatural experiences there yes i can attest to that and there are two other people that can verify well i would love to hear what you saw oh my goodness so mary and i uh, we're friends with this guy named Peter. Uh, Mary and Peter worked together at Office Depot, and that's how they became friends. Peter was a great friend of ours when we lived here. We hung out with him a lot, um, and he loved ghost hunting as much as we did. And one of the things that we always wanted to investigate was Fort Fisher, because we literally looked at each other and said, that must be a really haunted place. I mean, like, that was a very bloody battle. And in my head, I always believed in the energy still lingering after all these years. I believe that when something truly violent happens in a location, you never lose the energy that that generates. Like when a life is taken unnaturally in a certain location, like let's say somebody got murdered right here in this living room. Scary thought, but I really believe that energy will never leave. Yeah. And it's very hard to cleanse. Like even Sage, Palo Santo, 
lemongrass, none of that will really cleanse it. You need to go hardcore and burn like everything you've got. I just feel like something that intense, like where could that energy possibly go? You know what I mean? It just gets absorbed. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. And I think that in this case, this was a very bloody battle. And we, (laughs) we made some mistakes when we went there. But we had uh, a device on our phone. We had an app that recorded an EVP. Oh, wow. So one night we went there. It was sort of rainy, cold night in the winter. We drove out there. And we parked across the road from Fort Fisher itself. And there was nobody out there. So it was super easy to, like, sneak our way over there. Oh, yeah. And... So we went ahead and we snuck over there and we had, we were sneaking in and it was like, oh my Lord, <laughs> we're going to get caught. But we didn't. It was great. Um, it was very quiet. All you could hear was like the crashing of the waves and like the wind. And we, uh, apparently... <laughs> the troopers that patrol the place were not actually patrolling the place because we did not encounter them at all. We didn't see them. Well, I think also like if you're local to this area, you're used to people being there. So I think it's one of those things where like, as long as you aren't defacing anything or like messing up sand dunes or monuments, like as long as you're being respectful of the place, like, Mm -hmm. There's no, like, real security threat that you're going to get, like, arrested or... Well, plus, we weren't looking to do any of those things. Right. We were just looking to ghost hunt. And the first thing that I really remember is when we were in the... Uh, we were down at the bottom of the hill. Because, you know, there's that, like... I don't... You've been to Fort Fisher, right? You've yeah. You've out there. You know what it looks like. Oh, yeah. There's, like, that... Uh, top part that that's built with wood mm-hmm. so I was up there and I was wearing this uh down parka because it was cold I was wearing this down parka that had a fur hood and I had the hood up and I felt a hand <laughs> press itself against the side of my face and feel my hood because oh, it was a faux fur no. hood and I felt it and I like I turned real quick and both Mary and Peter were on the opposite side. They were nowhere near me. Nobody was touching your hoodie. And they were standing over there with their phone apps, like, listening for EVPs. And I was like, which one of you just touched me? I was like, that was weird. And they were like, uh, none of us touched you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, like, I was like, all right, that's not enough because that's only me that can verify that. Like, I'm the only one who felt that. So then we went to the bottom of the hill and it was uh, Mary and I sitting there and we literally sat down at the bottom of the hill and we were just kind of chilling. And all of a sudden I just got these, this feeling like I was, I shouldn't be there. Oh, like it was almost like I was unwanted or they were telling me to leave. Like, the vibe that I got, like, the thing that somebody said to me, like, in my head, what I heard was, this is no place for a woman. Oh, wow. And I started crying. And not in, like, Like, a derog- spontaneously crying. Like, I had no like, control over it. Not in, like, a derogatory sense, like, it's not safe for you to be here kind of sense. 
it wasn't like it wasn't like a he-man woman haters club like no women allowed right it was more like this isn't safe for a woman that's so interesting and i started to cry because i felt all of the depth oh my god like the weight of it and it was heavy that night I have fucking goosebumps right now. Okay, so I should also mention that we went on the anniversary of the date of the battle that killed the most amount of people. Oh, fuck. The night that Fort Fisher fell to the Union is the night that we went. So it was in January. I think it was January 17th. And you can double check me on that date. Somebody better double check me on that date. I don't even know that date, so I'm going to have to take your word for it. But I remember it was in January. It was mid-January. It was a cold and rainy night. And it was the anniversary of the day that the fort fell to the Union. That is so... Because we figured that's when the energy would be the highest. Well, absolutely. So then the two of them started provoking. Which was... When I said bad decisions were made, (laughs) this was a bad idea. Wow. Okay, so what happened next? All of a sudden, I started feeling like this. And to describe to the listeners, it started feeling like somebody was pushing me. Like... Not shoving, but like gentle pushing. Like nudging you, like, come on, like, let's go? Yes. Like, yes, you need to leave. Oh, wow. And then the EVP we got is by far, and I wish we still had it, we don't. But the EVP we got was by far the scariest thing I have ever fucking heard. What is it? We were in the car listening on the way back. We were on our way to Taco Bell. As you do. As you should. As you should. Because in North Carolina, when you go ghost hunting, you don't have an all-night diner to go to. You have a Taco Bell. (laughs) We hear that. We listen to the playback and we hear one go... What was the first one? The first one was like really basic. It was like shut up or something like that. But that wasn't the one that really got us. Yeah, like you guys are totally blowing their cover. They're like, shut up. Like there's people coming. Like <laughs> Then we got to the second one and Mary was listening to it with like headphones in. And all of a sudden I heard, I saw her in the front seat go fucking white. And she rewinds it and she goes, is there a way we can play this over the speakers in the car? Because I really need to double check this. And Peter, like, finds a way. He, like, plugs in her phone. And the next thing you hear coming out of the speakers is, no one's here. Everybody's dead. Oh, my God. We started to freak the fuck out. I have goosebumps right now. That was the crazy, like, oh, my God. And I started, oh, my goodness, you do. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I tried to pinpoint exactly when we would have picked that up. Like at what point in the investigation. So it was before they even started provoking. Like they started provoking by saying that General Whiting abandoned them and ran off to Wilmington to hide. Oh. Like that's going to piss off any Confederate soldier that's still lingering there. So I was kind of like, oh, you guys are really you guys are really going for it here. Oh, boy. Oh, oh shit. I, you know, and for the record, I love watching, like, ghost hunting and stuff. But nothing, like, pisses me off more than people are like, show yourself, you sack of shit. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? What do you think is going to happen? 
happen? Like, what is the best case scenario if you are telling something that you can't see to come at me, bro? Like, I never understood it. And then I love the ones that are like, yeah, <laughs> show yourself now. Say something. You ain't nothing but a punk bitch. And then something falls off the wall. And they're like, oh, my God, what the fuck was that? <laughs> That's my favorite. That's like a... That my favorite is a uh, Buzzfeed and Saul because every time Ryan oh, Rivera yeah. says anything and hears a noise, he jumps like a little like scared rabbit. I love it. I love him so much. So I love him in shame. I would love to ask you about a theory that I've heard. Um, I love this already. Let's do it. So we're talking about you know places where there are like violent occurrences, um, bloodshed, loss that energy kind of is trapped there. I've heard a theory mm-hmm. that some of the ghosts, the, the things that people see and the things that people hear aren't so much something happening in real time. It's almost like these, these ghosts, these spirits are like stuck on a recording. Yep. They're walking the same staircase over and over again, or they're reliving the night before everything went south over and over again. So it's not a lot of times ghosts interacting with you. You were just seeing this energy manifested like a recording. Yep. How do you, do you agree with that? I believe there's different kinds of hauntings. Absolutely. I believe, and this is actually something I learned from watching Ghost Hunters. Um, The original Ghost Hunters, Grant and, what's his name? Jason. There we go. Yeah. They believe that there's two different types of hauntings, and I believe that that's true. One of them is a intelligent haunt, which is the one that's going to interact with you specifically. Right. It has something to tell you. It can... Those are the ones using energy to manifest and to communicate with you specifically. Yes. But there's repeating haunts that where they basically will, it's like you said, it's on a loop. It's like a recording. And those are the ones where it's just the way that they are. It's the way that they like, it's just how they died. That's how the energy was recorded. So they're just going to continue to do the same thing on a loop until you find a way to break it until you do like a cleansing or something like that. But a lot of the time they're not going to hurt you. I mean, some of the things that I've seen, they were very violent, but they were unintelligent haunts. They were repeating haunts. Like I remember growing up in New Jersey, um, my biological dad had his best friend was renting a house in Dumont. And I remember he, uh, I was sleeping in the bedroom and, um, my dad's friend's daughter was in the room with me, but she was passed out. I remember we were both like, I woke up and I heard something and I rolled over and I saw, cause it used to be a brothel. I saw a topless woman kneeling on the floor and I saw a guy swing the back end of a hammer into the back of her head. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, this really happened? Yes. And that was a repeating haunt. That, so that, that because there was acts, there was no that energy. That energy stayed. That's why I believe what I believe about energy staying where it is. Because a lot of very violent things happened in that house because it was a brothel. And 
the man who ran the brothel was not exactly the kindest man. He was a very violent man, obviously, if you couldn't tell by what I just told you. Um, and I feel like those types of those types of energies are stronger, like when that act was intentional, like if it was a, a crime of like intense passion or like premeditated mm-hmm. violence mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, the people involved were just like so traumatized. Yeah. I think, you know, when they left this physical world, like that energy had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. That's why I believe, like, um, I hate to bring it up, but I have this theory. And part of the reason that I have been delaying visiting home in New Jersey is because I'm afraid to go to my brother's house. Mm. Because I have this theory that because his son left this world in a very unnatural way by suicide, by hanging, he might still be there. And I don't think I could emotionally handle it if anything happened while I was in the house. And part of me was kind of hoping they would sell the house and move, but they haven't yet as far as I know. I mean, I don't think I could ever go back in there. I don't know how they did. But then again, my family is way more emotionally resilient than I am. They always have been. They always, they just move on. Just like that. They're very good at it. And, you know, I don't like going over to their house. Like I remember when I was home for the funeral, the day after the funeral, they finally went back home and we were all there for it because we wanted to be there for them. They didn't want, we didn't want them to go through that alone. But in my head, I was like, I don't want to be here because knowing my abilities, I might see something I don't want to see. Yeah. And knowing my luck, I would see something I didn't want to see. And I don't think I can ever go back to that house. And I don't know how they did. But I do know that they don't go in his room, which is fair, because I wouldn't. Imagine how mediums feel. They must go through a lot. My um, my cousin um, is a medium. Um she only shares really her positive experiences. That's fair. And I think that's her gift of giving back. Yeah. You know, knowing that my grandfather, you know, he went to the light when he passed. He's not here for unfinished business, but he's here because, like, his whole life was dedicated to family. Right. And providing. hmm And, you know, that gives me a lot of peace. But in the same sense, like... I can only imagine what people who can see beyond um, all the things that you don't, you don't want to see that you have no choice. Yeah. Just like when I woke up and saw what I saw at the house in Dumont, like I didn't want to fucking see that. Like that's so I was like traumatic. I was so young. I was like 12. That's horrific. And, uh, you know, along that same vein, like I know, I don't know a lot of mediums, but I know a lot of people that they feel like vibes and intuition like I do. Yes. And they have said that it's very difficult to shut things out. Right. And their desire to help and communicate 
often zaps their energies and it's very difficult to recharge because it's always like they don't have that safe space anymore. That's why like when you see a lot of empaths or you see a lot of mediums, they have one room that no one's allowed to go into. Right. It's because that's their recharge room. Like my room is where I recharge. Completely necessary. Yes. Even um, if you don't believe in supernatural or spiritual or anything like that, I do think it's important to have um, a refuge, mm -hmm. like a space that is completely entirely yours where Mm -hmm. you find peace Mm -hmm. and you can recharge mentally. Yeah. I agree. I think that everybody needs that. I think that everyone deserves that. I think everyone should have their own space like that. But yeah, it was like I know in the times that I've sorry, uh communicated with the other side, it was never like I went looking for it. it now as an adult, I look to communicate with the other side more than ever I ever did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, like I remember I was thirteen and my dad's father died, my adopted dad's father died, and I had a dream where he came to me and he told me where this object was that I, uh, I knew nothing about. I had never even seen it before. And apparently my dad wanted it and my grandfather wanted him to have it. Mm. Um, for those of you that don't know, back in the day, they made, they made, Plates and dishes for literally everything. So they have this thing called an egg cup. <laughs> and you literally put a hard-boiled egg in it so you could eat the egg. Oh, okay. And it was really cute because it had a little rooster painted on it, like hand-painted. And across, around the very top, it would it said, when this rooster crows, my love will stop. Oh, wow. And I remember this very clearly because it now sits in my dad's house. So were you able to find it? So apparently my grandmother was very, um, she didn't want a lot of people taking stuff that was my grandfather's out of her house. Right. Which, okay, that's fine. Right. But my dad had already made mention that he wanted it when my grandfather passed. Right. So apparently she hid it. Oh. So we went over the day after the funeral, which was the, coincidentally the day after I had the dream. And um, I went with my dad and he was like, you know, I really want that egg cup, mom. And she goes, oh, well, I don't know where it is. I don't know what happened to it. You know, your dad used to leave things in strange places because his mind was going. And my dad was like, oh, well, I mean, I, I really want it. Like, can can we look for it? And in the dream, my grandfather told me that she put it in the cab- cabinet behind the box of Frosted Flakes. So I told my dad, I looked at him right in front of my grandma and said, why don't you look in the cabinet behind the Frosted Flakes? Guess what was there? The egg cup. Yes. What did your grandmother say? My grandmother almost shit herself. Oh my God. She was like, how did you know that was there? And I was like, I can't tell you because you'll never believe me. 
No one would believe me. People probably don't believe that fucking story, but it actually fucking happened. I it think... was super fucking crazy. My dad almost fucking, like, had a cow. He was like, how did you know it was going to be? Like, on the way home, he, like, really seriously looked at me and he said, now, tell me seriously, how do you know it was there? And I was like, Grandpa told me. No, I wouldn't tell him. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I knew it was there. I just did. I refused to tell him that I had a dream because... They're going to think that I'm fucking crazy and send me to a psychiatrist. But on the other side of this, how fucked up is it? We've all had, you know, this desire to see our loved one once again, to hear their voice once again, Mm -hmm. to just be able to communicate with them. And you had that opportunity. He's telling you where a fucking egg dish is. Yeah. That's so fucked up, man. (laughs) He's like, oh, by the way, I know I'm not really supposed to be here and all. And I'm not going to visit anybody else. It's just you. But just FYI, that egg cup in the cabinet behind the, front, the Frosted Flakes. Right. Like. He's like, that's where your grandma hit it. And I was like, the fuck? And I remember, like, in the dream, I had this reaction of, like, all right. Why are you telling me this? But okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> I was like, why do I need to know this? Like, what's so important? And I just remember, like, the next day, they mentioned egg cup, and they were, and I started thinking to myself, I'm like, why, why did I recently hear the phrase egg cup? And I, then that's when the dream came back to me, which dreaming is another, a whole other supernatural thing that I love talking about. Like, right. I love interpreting dreams. I love thinking about dreams. I like remembering my dreams. Sometimes I write them down if they're really powerful. Like I had a very positive dream the first night that I was here and I just felt really good about it. It what, gave here? me some Yes, the first night I was here. That makes me feel so good. Like there's very positive energy in this house for the record. Well, I mean that's and that's where my mind is going like thank God this is a place where like mm-hmm. even though you've never been here you're able to like feel that and dream peacefully and then mm-hmm. be able to kind of like enjoy that experience that yeah but yeah there's very positive energy in this house i like it here it's very even with even with the lights not on it feels very light in this house good which is considering the way i feel about the rest of wilmington most of the time like that's a pretty good feeling <laughs> but yeah that was that was a very strange experience um for me as a 13 year old Definitely did not understand what was going on. I was like, but at least my dad got the egg cup. Like, <laughs> at least at least the mission was accomplished, right? That's amazing. And then, uh, let's see. Because sometimes dead people talk to me in my dreams. I'm like, I don't fucking know you. Like, I have no idea how to contact the person whose message you want me to convey. I don't know who you are. I don't know how to help you. Thanks for stopping by. Like, like thanks for chilling, but um, <laughs> I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to help you. Like, I just don't know. But, yeah, I mean, some of the fucking, like, shit that's happened to me. My urban exploring days. Okay. Yes. So you talk about going backwards. I forgot to say this. So in New Jersey... In a town called Ewing, off of Route 208. Hopefully what? somebody out there is listening going, what, what? <laughs> Someone out there in Jersey being like, Jersey represent! 
when somebody's talking about us hearing you like Finally. But uh, there is an exit ramp where if you put your car in neutral, it will roll backwards up the hill. And also, like you said, there's handprints. So if you sprinkle baby powder on the front of your car, you will see handprints. So I didn't sprinkle the baby powder, but my car went backwards up the hill. Oh, and like there was probably like an out of body experience for a second. You're like, wait, where are my feet? Am I doing this? My feet were not on any of the pedals. <laughs> the car was in neutral. It went backwards up the hill. And so New Jersey is known as a hotbed for haunted activity. That's why there's an entire website dedicated to it called Weird New Jersey. Which I recommend everybody go to because there's great stories on there. And there's just super weird shit in Jersey. They cover all of it. So bookmark that. Look up your Fort Fisher history. Look at your downtown Wilmington history. This is your homework, everybody. (laughs) This is homework. Because when I come back next, I'm going to have Jesse on teleconference and we're going to quiz you. (laughs) Let's hope I even remember. Fucking listeners be like, Y'all ain't doing no fucking homework. <laughs> so, car was in neutral. Car was in neutral. Up the hill. Backwards up the hill. That's fucking crazy. And Jersey is a hotbed for haunted activity. I had a haunted experience in my own home. When I was 17, I was home alone. It was a, a holiday. I forget which holiday. But my whole family was gone. They were out in Montauk. And I was home alone. And I was in my bathroom upstairs in my parents' house on the second floor. And there's a straight line of sight into my sister's bedroom. And there was a shadow on the floor of a human being. So I crept up real quiet, even though everything in the house fucking creaks because it's old as fuck. (laughs) It is like a 150-year-old house. So, I mean, that's just... That's protocol. If you've got a haunted house, you have it better to have, creak. You gotta have creaky doors and creaky floors. There's that's I didn't make the rules. That's just how it is. Yeah, no, for real. We don't make the rules here. So I creep up and as I get to the doorway, I'm about to jump out and catch this fucking intruder that's in my fucking house. Again, you automatically like I'm gonna be scarier than whatever the hell I'm about to run into. Like I know, I was about to run out like I was a fucking like like horror character, like screaming, like, like I gotcha, gotcha, bitch. Like, and like, just, I was about to scare the crap out of it and myself. I hear a creak behind me. I turn back. There's nothing there. I turn back and I look back into my sister's room and the shadow is gone. Wow. So that shadow knew I was coming. I don't know what was going on, but that was some wild shit right there. And uh, let's see. I have plenty of other stories. Let's see. What's my favorite? So my favorite one was actually a shared experience that um, my high school best friend and I experienced together. So for those of you who don't know, if you've ever seen the Friday the 13th movies, Camp Crystal Lake is a real place. I always wonder that. It's a, it's, I forget the name of the camp, but it's a boy and Girl Scout camp that they use in western New Jersey out in the mountains, out by the Poconos. Mm. And um, 
Poconos is where you go to save your marriage in New Jersey. So just look, I'm sitting here agreeing like I know exactly where the fuck you're talking about. I know it's great. Mm. Yep, by the Poconos. So to give you guys a geographical idea, you know the shape of New Jersey. So the most northeastern tip, that corner, is where I'm from. Okay. If you go west and north, that turns mountainous. Oh. And it's beautiful out there. Fucking leaf porn out the ass right now, probably. Like, you know why I'm a basic white girl? It's because I grew up in a place where there are seasons, and I grew up with the ability to drive into the middle of nowhere and cut down my own Christmas tree. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's what we did every single year. We cut down our own Christmas trees. I think we still do it. I don't remember. I don't know. I haven't been home in a long time. But, so. There's not really much doing that here. Like. (laughs) <laughs> just buying a fake Christmas tree with tinsel on it. Hey, hey guys, I went to the park. I got a little fucking Charlie Brown pine tree. Cut it down myself. You hold up the tree and it's like the branches are just falling down. But So my best friend and I wanted to actually go to the actual Friday the 13th camp because we knew where it was because of weird New Jersey. Where New Jersey reveals the locations of fucking everything. <laughs> Every weird place you could possibly go. I have so many more stories. I could go on for another half an hour alone. Anyway, we went and we pulled up and we drove through it and we got kind of a weird sketched out vibe. And there were two people in the back seat and they were just kind of like bopping along doing their thing because they weren't empaths like us. Like, I have always been friends with other empaths. And I don't really know how to be friends with people who aren't empaths. Because they don't feel things on the same level that I do, so I don't get it. That's why you and I vibe. That's why Alicia and I vibed. Seriously. And by the way, I use everybody's real name because I have no shame. And I don't regret my friendship with Alicia, even though I can't stand her anymore. That's basically the gist of what happened between the two of us. But... The thing about this is that she is a very strong empath and there are times where I think she might've even been stronger than me because she saw things that I did not see while we were experiencing this. So we were driving away because the two of us looked at each other and we got a vibe of like, I think we need to go. Yeah. Like, and not like, and not like just casually going, Oh, you know, I think it's time to go home. I'm kind of hungry. It was like, we need to go. So we just whipped around real quick. Because I was driving a Ford Explorer at the time. That thing, you don't whip that shit quick unless you're trying to fucking bust out of somewhere. And let me tell you, the way we looked at each other, we were like, nah, we need to go. So we didn't discuss anything while we were actually experiencing it. What we did was... We each had our own experience and when we got home, we talked about it together and we were able to sit there and say, we had the same experience. So this is how I know I'm not crazy because we were both telling the same story. So when we first entered the camp, I saw a little girl in a white dress. The dress was torn Oh. and she had like wavy, like light brown hair and blue eyes and Alicia described the same thing and we both saw her at the same place at the same time 
but we saw her separately. So then we were leaving and the girl was literally levitating behind our car. Oh, hell no. Following us and she had rage in her eyes. Oh my God. She was angry and violent and she was following us the whole way for at least five miles down the road. And you both experienced And this. we both saw this. Now, the, the people in the back seat were they like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> they were just like staring off into space like, da, 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 da. <laughs> just having a grand old time of thinking to themselves, ain't shit happening. But shit was happening. And I remember look, being in the passenger seat, looking at Alicia and looking in her eyes and going, I think she's having some, I think she sees what I see. And then when we were talking about it later, I was like, she was a little girl in a white dress. It was torn. Light brown hair, blue eyes. Did you ever try to figure out who she was, her significance to where you were? We assumed that she was a girl that maybe stayed at the camp that died there. Or was like a caretaker's daughter who lived there. Either way, she felt very possessive of the, of the, the, the grounds. Yeah. And she considered them her domain. And we walked into her domain. So she chased us out is basically what happened. And I don't know what's worse in this situation, like experiencing this and it not be happening. Like I'm seeing shit, I'm crazy. Or is it worse <laughs> to have that validation? Of someone else seeing the same thing as me? Right. And thinking that we're both crazy? Because I definitely, that thought definitely crossed my mind. Because wild. remember, skeptic believer here. Yeah, that's why. No matter what I see or experience, I will never have enough proof. Like, I want to be right. But I'd rather not be right. <laughs> no, exactly. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, and I literally said something to Alicia in his tune of, I really hope you and I hallucinated that. But the chances of us hallucinating the same thing, very slim to none. Because we were able to recall details about what this girl was wearing. Like I said, like she had the ripped dress. You know, she had the the wavy light brown hair and the blue eyes. And she was very, she had like very like olive skin. Mm. So she was like very tan. And it was really like, it was honestly, it was a really scary moment for the two of us. Because we were both just like looking at each other and we were like, we saw. Like, wow. and we both looked at each other like, we might both be crazy. <laughs> like, we both said it. We're like, we might both just be fucking crazy. Because why not believe that we're fucking crazy? But we did a lot of exploring together, urban exploring. <laughs> uh, that's what they call it. Um, our Friday nights usually revolved around, oh, let's go to Clinton Road or let's go to the gates of hell. <laughs> our experiences on Clinton Road were not supernatural so much as they were just straight up scary. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, um, it's not Satan worshiping, but there's a lot of weird animal sacrifices that go on there. Ooh. Um, and the, the people that live there are very strange. Uh, very strange. And this is in New Jersey also. Yes. <laughs> we also went to um, the Ramapo Mountains where the... Uh, this is a derogatory term, and I hate using it, but anybody that's from New Jersey is going to know what I'm talking about. The Jackson Whites. Mm. 
which basically they are Native Americans that bred with Hessian soldiers in the Revolutionary War. And that's their descendants. So they all have like Dutch last names, but they look Native American. Okay. Or they look like white Native Americans. Okay. Because they all have the... (laughs) The lore on them is that they've all only ever interbred with each other, which just sounds ridiculous. Like, they had to have branched out at some point. They went to Ramapo High School. They integrated with the rest of the world. So the the idea that they only stayed within that tiny community is fucking crazy. But you go up there, and they will shoot at you. I know one person that went up there, and they left with bullet holes in their car. Oh, no. I went up there once and I was blasting 50 cents candy shop and they didn't shoot at me. (laughs) But it was definitely a weird experience because it was definitely different from what I was used to experiencing. It wasn't supernatural per se. It was just strange. They definitely live a little bit differently, but there's still nothing wrong with the way that they live. They're very healthy people. They're very good people. Um, They're very hardworking people. Uh, but they do have a reputation of being different in the area. Uh, and if you drive up there, they're very territorial. They don't like outsiders up there. And they will shoot at you because they assume that you're up there to fuck with them. <coughs> Which I may or may not have been up there to fuck with them. I actually was just curious. Um, let's see, Clinton Road was wild. There's... There's a legend of a ghost boy where if you toss a quarter over the bridge, he'll bring it back up to you. I never tried that one out, but I heard that it's true. Mm. Um, let's see. I'm ta- I'm trying to think about more supernatural experiences that I had rather than like urban exploring because like I consider them related, but there's been some where I didn't really have a supernatural experience, but there was one. Well, This was kind of, this was another moment where like I was very perceptible to energy because my, my senses were more open then. It was before I started repressing that. I started doing that in college and in high school it was rampant. I could pick shit up from forever, from anywhere. But we were, uh, we were exploring this abandoned mental hospital and that's one thing that we were always trying to do. So always you, looking for an know, abandoned mental hospital. You know the vibes going into that. The whole the whole cliche. You know. Was, and I will. I don't like to hide things. I'm not going to make up a name. It was the one that is in Ocean Grove or uh, Orange or something. I forget exactly the town. I drove there and I don't remember what it is. But I remember I came home from college one weekend and I didn't tell my parents I was home. They were out of town anyway. So we, uh, it was me and Alicia and our friend German, who his name is spelled like German, but we called him German. He's Russian. Um, and that was his name. Cool dude. We went and uh, some backstory. One of Alicia's friends from uh, the school she transferred high schools with was with us and she's kind she was you know what for all intents and purposes that bitch was fucking prude she never had a drink before got drunk after over 
off of half a tequila sunrise. And she was the kind of drunk where she got drowsy and fell asleep. And y'all convinced her to do a uh, mental asylum? Well, we couldn't leave her at Alicia's house by herself. (laughs) And she fell asleep in the backseat anyway. And then we were like, well, we can't leave her alone. She's going to wake up and freak out. And the thing about this hospital is that it was also the site of a mass grave from the tuberculosis patients from the early 1900s. Because that... Before it was a mental hospital, it was a hospital hospital, and it was a hospital where people with TB would come, and they would die, basically, because they didn't know how to cure tuberculosis. They didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know what it was, kind of like the way we are with COVID-19. So we went ahead, and we drove all the way to the asylum, and we're like, we can't leave this girl by herself. We'll just take turns going in. So you can drive right up into the back parking lot. So we did that and we drove and we parked there. But the thing is behind you is the hill where all of those people were buried. Oh wow! And you have to think about that while you're sitting there. So this was probably the only time I have ever been terrified of the supernatural. Like, only time I've ever been scared of what I could not see. So drunk bitch is in the back seat, passed out snoring like a typical, like typically like what you would be like when you fall asleep drunk. So I had the first shift with her. I was sitting in the driver's seat and I just kept staring in front of me. I refused to look behind me. I refused to check on her. Deep breaths, relax. You can say that out loud, you're good. It's okay. I'm good. All right, cool. I don't want to interrupt your story, go. So I'm sitting there and I'm going to show you because you can see. I'm sitting in the driver's seat like this. Just perfectly straight. Like just perfectly straight. Best posture I've ever had in my life. And I am just staring forward because what's in front of me is the new hospital that they built across the street. They literally built the new hospital across the street from the old one. So were you not looking behind you because you felt that there was something bad back there? So that's where it gets crazy. I couldn't see anything, but it felt like eyes were staring at me. Oh, Like, literally, I could not even look in the rearview mirror because I was afraid of what I would see in the backseat, or not even in the backseat, behind the car. And um, that turned into how long can we sit there and be more afraid of that than anything that's in that building. And so Alicia and German were in the building, and I was just kind of sitting there, drunk bitch in the back, And behind me is the mass graves of all the people that fucking died. And I'm sitting there and I'm staring ahead at the hospital across the street. And I'm like, do not look in the rearview mirror because God knows what you're going to fucking see. Don't turn around because God knows what you're going to fucking see. And I've literally never been so afraid in my life. Like literally someone put a gun in my face in New York and it was loaded and it was like the hammer was cocked back. They were ready to shoot and I was less scared in that moment than I was sitting in that car with that drunk chick passed out behind me. (laughs) 
Like, literally, this is why I go into, like, situations and I am not scared. Like, this is why, even though I have crippling anxiety, crippling anxiety that I take meds for, and, like, social anxiety, like, all kinds of, like, issues with just anxiety in general, I am less afraid in dangerous situations like that than I was sitting in that vehicle where I was probably perfectly safe and there was nothing going on. But the energy that I felt coming from that hill, the energy, the vibes rolling off of it was enough to make me feel sick to my stomach, gave me a migraine, which went away as soon as we left, by the way. Like, as soon as we pulled out of that driveway and we started going back, gone. Everything disappeared. Wow. All of the issues I was having, just gone. And I just remember sitting there and I was like, this is insane because I shouldn't be feeling like this. Like, I should be fine. And it was just like, I was just sitting there and I just, I have never been that scared. Did you ever go into the hospital? Oh, yeah. Basically, the way we did it was uh, two people would go in at once and one would stay with Drunk Bitch. And um, whoever, whenever that person in the car got scared, they would text the other people and say, like, hey, like, it's time to come out. Right. So I don't know how long I sat there for. I think it was probably like 10 to 20 minutes. I want to say it was longer than five. I hope it was longer than five. So then I went in with German and we got in there and we walked in and we barely even made it down the stairs before Alicia texted us and was like, please come out. I can't do this. Whoa. So I barely made it into the hospital. That's pretty intense. That was honestly some of the most intense energy I've ever felt. So I want to take this and, and divert, um, yeah. talk about intense energy. Yeah. Have you seen that the Conjuring House is on sale for like $3 million? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you've seen any videos of people going in the house, like, there's, it, it's not updated, it's not renovated. Mm-hmm. What do you think places their value so high? Is it that experience? Is it? I think it's because of the backstory on the house. Do they, do you think they've priced it that high so that someone isn't going to buy it for cheap and bulldoze it over and just put whatever they want there? No. They want somebody to. They want money and they know they can make money. It's a money opportunity. Imagine being the person that's like, you know what? I got it, and I want it. Like Zach Bagans did with that house in fucking <laughs> Illinois or something. That's, That's just... super... I watched the, like... I didn't watch the documentary that he made, not the official one. I watched the unofficial one that he made. That's on YouTube. It's like 40 minutes long. And the reactions that he was having, I can honestly say, like... As much as I don't think anything Zach Bagans does is real, the reactions he was having line up with what what I assume is a demonic possession. Oh, wow. And hmm. for the record, I do believe in demons, and I don't tie them to any kind of religion. 
I believe the demons are real, whether you believe in Christianity or not, because I believe the demons were not necessarily created by Christianity. Because when I think of a demon, I associate it with an inhuman spirit. And one of the things that I have learned is that an inhuman spirit blows hot. A human spirit will blow cold. So that cold breeze you felt in the house when you went on that field trip, probably a human spirit. It felt, it, it felt like somebody going along like a daily routine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the girl mm-hmm. I encountered, if it was a housekeeper, mm-hmm. you know, just could be anybody walking through the room, doing rounds because it wasn't like there was somebody in that room when I went in there. It's not that somebody was keeping me there. Something kept me there. I was just so intrigued and so curious, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't any, I, I couldn't feel any energy with it. Usually when you don't feel like an energy with it or anything like that, it's basically just your standard repeating haunt. It's like you said, it plays on a loop. Interesting. So it could walk right through you and you would feel the cold breeze of it walking through you, but you wouldn't necessarily pick up any energy off of it that would tell you what it is. Right. And I feel like something like that would have stood out with me being as young as I was Mm -hmm. and still having that vivid memory. Yeah. Um, I think it's why kids are more prone to seeing mm-hmm. supernatural. They mm-hmm. haven't learned to shut things out or. Mm-hmm. Unless they grow up in a household with someone who not only understands what they have, but has it themselves and knows how to control it. Yeah. Because then someone can teach them how to harness it control it, only use it when they want to. Because when you can't harness it, it's very difficult to shut it out. Like I know as a kid, there's a lot of stuff that I experienced where I was like, (coughs) is this real? Like what's going on? Yeah. But, um, well, is there any kind of exploring or, uh, supernatural seeking that you're looking to do before, before or by or on Halloween? You know, I really want to do, if we could do that pub crawl again, I would do it, you know, because that was fun. I just, I don't drink like that anymore. That's the problem. I think the problem is that there were drinks involved and it was my bachelorette party because that's what you do when you're spooky bitches. Your bachelorette party is a haunted pub crawl. I would love to revisit that without... We should do the that. excess boots. <laughs> we should do that. Make Charles stay home with Charlie and just go to those locations, not drink, but sit there and see what we pick up. Yeah. Because between the two of us, I think we could probably pick something up. It would be a, it would be a fun experiment to do. It would. Now, is there anything back home, like in Austin, that you've yet to explore that has some... The Driscoll Hotel. Okay. Where's that at? That's in downtown Austin. It's on 36. Okay. 36 is the, the strip of partying. That's where all the party goes All the bars. Down. And all the bars. It's where Jared Padalecki's bar is. Street drinking. All that fun stuff. Actually, yeah. You can drink on the street there. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead and 
put that on my list. That's like at the top. So the Driscoll Hotel. It's What's... a very old hotel. It's supposedly pretty haunted. There's a room in particular that's haunted that I really want to explore. Because I think it's like room like 117 or something like that. And they say that like they'll pull the covers off of you. They'll play with your feet. Oh no. Stuff like that. Mm. Like I would love to experience that. I would love uh, to embrace that. The area where I live and, and start visiting these places and having like. Seeing what you pick up, you know. Yeah. Just going into it objectively and learning the history and um, and just seeing, like, it's almost when you walk into some of these houses, you're transported back in time. Mm-hmm. It, it's, almost, it's almost like you're in a parallel universe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely one of my goals is to kind of look into these hauntings. Do you ever wonder to... when Charlie gets older if y'all could go ghost hunting together? I would love for her to grow up and form her own opinions about things, and that's mm-hmm. religion and supernatural included. I'm not going to push anything on her. I want her to view the world with open eyes and make her own questions and decisions. Um, but I think it would be really awesome mm-hmm. because I do believe that she's able to see my grandfather Mm-hmm. And I feel that there is a there there's a presence that's been with her since birth that right. looks out for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to I would love to kind of see if that sticks with her as she grows up and if she if she notices it, you know. Yeah. yeah. The the book's unwritten on that one. I like that though. <laughs> I like that because I love your approach. Mm-hmm. That you just want her to form her own opinions on it. Absolutely. Because that's what everyone should do with their kids. And that's great. I love that. You know, my experiences were often so... Because my parents were so Catholic. And this is something that I feel really weird even talking about. But, like, they were so Catholic that, like there was no room for the possibility of any other religion in their lives. Like we never entertained the idea of any other religion. Like I didn't even know what Judaism was Mm. until my sister said, Oh, that means you believe in God. And I was like, don't we believe in God? And they were like, and my sister was like, yeah, but we also believe in Jesus, Mary, Joseph. We believe in, you know, all the saints and the apostles and the disciples. And I'm like, that's a lot of shit to believe in. (laughs) Just be sitting there like, yo, that's a long list of shit you got to believe in. And I feel like that list of what they believe in is just as long as what they don't believe in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably longer than what they don't believe in. (laughs) Literally, it's anything not that. (laughs) That's what they don't believe in. And it's funny because my biological dad, he had friends that encouraged me, like they initiated me into paganism. And, oh, shit. Is it still recording? Has it been recording? I think we lost some of it. Is it done? I think I ran out of space. Maybe I should have put that one little... 
Yeah, it froze up a little bit. Fuck. I don't think it caught everything. I'm going to post it as is, but I don't care. Where's it in the box, I wonder? At uh, hmm. 122.50. We've been talking for an hour and a half? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I figured we would just probably talk until whenever. But that story I was about to tell, I'm actually glad it's not recording anymore. Because um, I don't like admitting this one out loud. Because I feel guilty. So my my biological dad's um, his uh, his best friend's girlfriend Lori encouraged me into like paganism and witchcraft, and she initiated me into the world of it, like officially when I was fourteen. What do you mean by initiated? Like I recited an incantation. Really? And that's when I was initiated into the world officially, apparently. That's according amazing. to her. Which, because it's such a easy, breezy, beautiful religion that you don't have to, like, subscribe to, like, one particular thing. Yeah. You can say that I was...